This is for the nerds, this is for the brainiacs, this is what we deserve Go ahead and play it back, you ain't gonna touch me You not gonna do nothing, you are not above me I bet you wish you was me, I know that I know What is poppin' everybody? And welcome back to another special episode of the Only Friends Podcast. Well, you know, it's me and my only friends, which includes, but is not limited to, Guapito! What's poppin', Tortillas? Buenos dias. <laughs> nice <laughs> to you get you. into? How, how well, we have Tortua and Tortillas. Wow. That's right. Connie mm. came in with a wet burrito today. And I did. It looked very good, unfortunately. I mm. had already made breakfast. Wet but, burrito? What's a wet burrito? I don't think it was supposed to be a wet burrito, honestly. Mm. It was a California burrito, and it had um, French fries, ground beef, and yeah. That's Sounds it. like a burger. That's a California burrito. Yeah, it was really good. I made tequila lime shrimp last night. How do you Ooh, like that? It was, that sounds it delicious. It was really good. How Isn't much it, tequila did you put in it? Uh, like cupful. Did you, use the, uh, <laughs> did you use the sexy tequila or just like you know? I, I used um, not the real sexy one, but the, the you know that white and blue bottle and when you when you hit the hit yeah, the top that, of it, it dings. That's, oh, that's, that's yeah. the sexy one. <laughs> that is sexy, but it's not. It wasn't the nineteen. 40, 42. 42. No, no yeah. use the azul. Yeah. Wait a minute. What's the difference between that and like ceviche? Ceviche? It's like shrimp, right? A ceviche what? is, I think, it's it's what? like agua or like agua chiles. Yeah, ceviche is like a. Like, it's almost like a dip. Like so, it has like um, like shrimp and then like uh, cilantro, cilantro, uh, and uh, onion, onions, garlic, toma- yeah, tomatoes, tomatoes. You can use like tortilla chips. Yeah. And- and generally, and you don't cook that. You actually cook the shrimp, yeah. and uh, you cook it in lime juice. Yeah, the shrimp was really good. It was, um, it was just, it was, it was lime Scrimp. juice, tequila, chopped up jalapeno, and then some seasonings, like some just like dinner seasoning. Dinner turtle town sounds mm-hmm. pretty good. And then, uh, yeah, and then oh, you throw that into a into a um, cast iron skillet. Throw it on the grill for about four minutes. All takes. So basically, what you're trying and to say, and then put shit. it over rice. It was delicious. Basically, what you're trying to say, shit was popping. It was popping. Like chicken, like there's good. like chicken and rice. There's steak and rice, and then there's shrimp and rice. Shrimp and rice is nice. Shrimp and rice is nice. Shrimp and rice is nice. Shrimp and rice this week. It's not about also. the rice though. It's not about. <laughs> What's popping, Burke? How you I, feeling? I really enjoy uh, the last couple shows where I give the audience a sweat of whether or not I'm even here. <laughs> <laughs> Just let you guys tangent mm-hmm. on about. <laughs> Whatever <laughs> fucking dad things Lamanna's up to these days. Cooking is a skill. Cooking, cooking's a dad thing. Well, yeah, you make it a dad thing. Yeah, it's true. The yeah. daddy thing. Yeah, I had to fire up the pit last night, you know, and just got really got in there with the charcoal. And, <sighs> oh, how are you guys hit. the same age? Nobody it's loves wild, it. Wow, is Lamanna? No. Well, see, I am like what you call an adult. <laughs> I, do, I do adult things. And Berkey is, you know, a man child. <laughs> <laughs> what you mean to say is you're fucking boring. I'm not boring. I, my God, I can't believe Berkey just called God. somebody else boring. He's I know. So boring. Somebody get me some fucking oxygen. Boring? He what falls asleep about? on the couch at 8.30 at night every single day. There's nothing going on. Nothing worthwhile going on past 8 o'clock. What are you talking about? You know what they about? say? You don't go out past 9. <laughs> He's not wrong there. You fucking old oh, man. Oh, man. 
uh, fucking Conrad was anything. embedded. Wait a minute. Don't <laughs> fucking start this again. <laughs> <laughs> Click on West Virginia. West Virginia's oh, west of Pennsylvania. My God, dude. That's all we want in life is just another fucking 30 minutes of fucking Berkey looking at a map. Please. You want to know what I realize is uh, not only am I particularly bad at geography, but my apologies to the flyover states. I'm really bad with the Midwest. Mm. Really, really, yeah, really all the, cute, all, all the square states. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, all the all the farm states. I had mm -hmm. no idea Nebraska was so far north. The craziest part yeah. about this well, is Pennsylvania. Doesn't, north, it, doesn't north it border Kansas. Oak, doesn't it border Oklahoma? All right, uh, guys. I map up again. I'm sorry, guys. <laughs> I have to talk to you about something. Pennsylvania is a square state or rectangle, whatever. Same thing. Not all rectangles are squares. All squares are rectangles. Not all rectangles are squares. That's right. Conrad. Whatever. Same shit. And it's, it's not also the same nothing shit. but farms. That's not true. It's at just all. in the middle of it. Just that's in fine. the middle. So yeah. that's why we call it the goddamn Midwest, and it's on that side of the kind like, of Tell, tell like, people in Philly that it's the Midwest, buddy. Mm -hmm. I mean, they're they're close to. They the say East. water. Water. I mean, honestly, Nobody quite honestly, it's, it's not all Pennsylvania. It isn't all Pennsylvania. What is? Go fly a kite, Conrad. What is? What is water equivalent? Go fly a kite over the Midwest. What is water equivalent in Midwest? What do you mean? What do they say? Everyone says water, except for people from Jersey and Philly. Got it. They say water. What? Don't ask me why. You heard yeah. what I said. Water? Yeah. yeah. Water. yeah. That, People that from Jersey thing. and Philly say water. Yeah. This is like the whole I've like syrup syrup debate. What are you from the Midwest? No, I lived in Jersey for eight years and I've never heard that in my life. Never oh. heard anything say. Oh my god! You've never, never been to the Borgata? Water? <clears throat> yeah. You've literally never been to the Borgata. <laughs> right. Bro, it's maybe a thing. closer to it, but closer when you to did it, he's like water. Yeah. Yeah. They say water. They say water. Whatever. There's you, an A in there. You can put there. the Guido. <laughs> My God, there's an A in there. On there if you want. Yo, yo, sweetheart, give me a bottle of water. <laughs> that, that sounds that's, that's every every uh, person at the Brigada talking yeah. to the waitress. Yes, yes. Everyone at the Brigada. Everyone at the Brigada is exactly Mike Dentali. Sweetheart. <laughs> yo, sweetheart. <laughs> oh, okay. Man. We have a fun show today, as you can tell. It's Twitter, so that means today is Twitter Tuesdays, which means we'll be going over your reactions to the prompt we put out yesterday, which is... What is dinging? What is that? That has oh, to be Conrad. <laughs> I was like, what the fuck is the matter with you, man? I thought no, I'm trying to get the episode up, bro. <laughs> I thought we said all phones have to go in a phone bucket. They need mm -hmm. to. They really need to. Uh, so we'll be getting your reactions to the Twitter Tuesday prompt of what's the best thing to give trick-or-treaters, wrong answers only. Uh, we'll also be going over a few of uh, notable headlines in the poker sphere. But before we get to all that, our one and only Caitlin Kmeski has put out a new video. This is a love letter to scammers. I got that cute rampage to pot with like 400k after half a round of golf and a couple of hand jobs. <laughs> all I'm saying, if it's that easy, a guy should get to keep it, is all I'm saying. <laughs> I'm dusting the clothes. Remember that time I lost 400k to an investment scammer I met on Hustler Casino Live called Dustin DeCloser? I didn't have to tell you that, but I chose to for the good of the community. And uh, as a reward for my service, I'd be much obliged if you quit bringing it up. Oh yeah, I mean, it was really hard for me. Like, uh, they talked about it on Twitter for a week and Berkey ragged his little finger at me. Breaking news. 
What's up, guys? Doug Polk here. Tonight, I've got a scandal for you that will really blow your top off. Sorry for continuing to do this newscastery bit so much. I just love my new jawline. So I'm sitting in Vegas, there's this smoking hot horizontal bond, and she starts talking to me. I think to myself, oh brother, here's another working girl trying to drum up business. And I tell her I'm playing poker, and she's like, why don't you come upstairs and fuck my brains out? I'm like, how much? And she's like, no, I'm not a prostitute. I'm a porn star, and I just think you're hot. <laughs> Thank God Southwest allows last minute flight changes. Okay, Ben. So what I'm getting here is that you funded a website to take down a boy you didn't like. I actually encountered something very similar with my youngest, Gianna. Where'd all this start? Well, you know, from the moment I met him, I actually really didn't like Wesley. I I, I didn't like the way, the way that he played, or you know, his his beady little eyes, or his you know, and you know, whole personhood in general. But um. I, I also very much didn't like the fact that he was Chinese, because that's sort of like my thing. And um, also, you know, he was just so much more Chinese than I am. How'd that make you feel, Wesley? I'm gonna hold each and every scammer accountable. That's what my platform is for, holding online operators' feet to the fire for all intents and purposes. I mean, it could all burn down tomorrow. I'm a high stakes action live pro. I mean, daddy's gonna be fine. <laughs> I do this because I care and because it makes me feel important. <laughs> oh, oh man, it's so good. That was incredible. Mm. Her blank check Ben is so <laughs> fucking good. Yeah. <laughs> Just so good. And the Rob Mercer part that was amazing. That, that was that was definitely <laughs> the, the, the highlight. <laughs> it is true. Why do you care so much, man? I mean, I got a show to fill, bro. Yeah. <laughs> yep. But honestly, if I don't care, who's who, gonna who care? Who does? Yeah, that right. was nice of you to to lend her your uh, your jacket and hoodie for the for the bit. It was a fucking ACR <laughs> hoodie, man. I don't own that shit. Sell out. Uh. <laughs> oh man, good job, Caitlin. That was phenomenal Yay, as Caitlin, always. Caitlin. Yay, Caitlin. I do appreciate the wardrobe change. Caitlin uh, will uh, will be in Kansas City this week for uh, Run Good series. Okay. Mm -hmm. So good luck. Shout out to Run Good series out there in the Midwest. Those things are fun. <laughs> yeah. Run Good series. Midwest has fun. Maybe we can send you out in the Midwest. We can get you on the beat. No, actually, I'm not going. Well, <laughs> <laughs> actually, I'm not going to be doing any of that. What happened? You alienated all the people out there? I'm not going there. He's not welcome anymore. They don't got any water? Yeah. <laughs> no, not, not for me. Not, not, not for me. The only place I'm going in the Midwest is fucking Choctaw. Mm, Choctaw. Choctaw. I'm, I'm, I'm not even sure if that's Choctaw. considered the Midwest. I guess it is. Yeah, I don't really know how the South works, to Oklahoma? be quite honest. Um, hmm. It's kind of like Southeast. I think it I would counts say, Midwest. I would, I, would call it, I would definitely call it Midwest. I mean, Texas. I think Texas is considered South, right? Texas is definitely the South. Texas okay, is Oklahoma south. is like a little Northwest. It's or Northeast, south rather. Adjacent. Northeast. Yeah. It's right south above adjacent. it. It's adjacent. It's not directly above, right? It's it directly above. It's directly Bro, above don't it. Don't, don't geography it's directly me, brother. It's directly above, directly above it. Like the, the Bobo, smack get the middle map. of it. Get the map, Bobo, please. It's coming. Get the map. It's coming. Get the... Oh, okay. Right, right, no, no, no. right above Texas. Couldn't be any more above it. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Do no, you know what's above Virginia. Oklahoma? Uh, Nebraska. No. We've been over this. No. Nebraska. Wow, Nebraska is that far north? Oh my. God, Nebraska is basically Canada. 
Yeah, Jesus. Oh, no. Everybody but you. <laughs> <laughs> That's who knew. Quite literally, everybody but you. Like second Zing. graders across America. I can't uh, wait till Caitlin's next video is just me doing geography. Oh, no. Actually, I can't wait for that either. You want to know what's crazy? Is I loved Where in the World is Carmen Sandiego. Oh, yeah. You, how, so good. How, I, I don't believe you played it. I, I, I did. I did. I, uh, I was not bad. Not bad at all. Um, <laughs> all right. We gave you guys a Twitter prompt yesterday. What's the best thing to give trick-or-treaters this year? Wrong answers only. And we got a handful of replies that are fantastic. Uh, first one, Conrad, you're going to love this. Big shout out to Patrick Muth, a.k.a. at CHS All-Star. He said, great, more Giants tickets because they stink. <laughs> That's why, because they stink. They stink. Because the Giants stink, Conrad. Um, they stink. Nobody wants their tickets. They're giving them away for trick-or-treaters because they, 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 they stink. I was waiting for the prompt. I just realized how close <laughs> his name is to the Steelers tight end. Oh, Muth. Yeah. yeah. Patrick Farmer. Patrick um, Scott Anderson. Uh, Landon's going to have a problem with this one. He said raisins. Landon loves raisins. No, I, I love raisins. No, raisins are good. Yeah. yeah I like raisins. I used to know, no, but I, it, it's true because most people that are trick-or-treating are younger, you know? They're not going to appreciate the value of the raisin. Nobody wants fucking Nobody raisins. Nobody wants raisins. No, bro, yeah. but when you get older, you realize that raisins are actually good. <laughs> okay, so listen, not. listen. You just listen. eat the raisins out of raisin brands. No, raisins are fine. They are. But they are not a fucking Halloween Correct. treat. Yeah. Right. Would, so, like, you know, just like an apple's not. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Especially because that's a really right. razor blade. I knew it. that was yeah. coming. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I've, kids, I've you seen, stay safe out there. I've seen so many of those, uh, like, Instagram videos of people, like, making up contents. Like, you have to really check the wrappers. If you don't, there's, like, a little knife in here. Yeah. <laughs> Who actually came up with the fucking old wives tale that there are razor blades and apples there's no was, fucking way somebody got an apple and just like bit into it without no thinking. i think it was it was like some fake story like way back in the 80s or 70s and then it like you know it it went like 70s viral yeah, essentially yeah, and yeah. then it just like I mean, everybody it just caught wind of, like, I will oh say, my god the notion of trick-or-treating yeah. It, Terrifying it to me sounds now. ridiculously unsafe. Yeah, it's, of course. I'm realizing this now. Just, let's go collect a bunch of food from strangers. Yeah. Right. Let's just knock on random people's houses and like get things from them. Yeah, I mean, and see, like have them be okay with it. I'll never forget one of the best trick or treat stories of my life was uh, when I was a kid. I went to West Leechburg, and it was the first year that they allowed trick or treating because they used to. It was the uppity neighborhood, so they used to just have a, a the good stuff. They had a Halloween um, like costume contest at the fire hall so all the kids would go to the fire hall instead of door to door and you'd all dress up and you know you'd get a bunch of treats and shit like that and then you would parade around and the judge you and top three would get something special whatever um but this is the first year they allowed trick-or-treating i might have been like nine and we're going door to door and there was this little apartment complex that i didn't even realize existed right off of the main street uh as you turn down towards the baseball field <laughs> my stepdad was taking me around at the time so we go and we knock on this door and i said trick or treat because the light was on and apparently this woman who i can best guess was in her like mid-20s didn't realize her porch light was on and didn't have anything oh, no. she also answered the door in lingerie <laughs> and i was just like what is going on here right now <laughs> i ended up getting like a handful of quarters and a nipple and sent on my way. No, not stop. bad. <laughs> That's probably not bad. Like, I don't have any candy. Well, these suffice. <laughs> Better than raisins. 
That's Wait, what, what I'm saying. Uh, what was the Smuggling address? raisins, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Grapple asked you for the address. I heard what Grapple said. <laughs> <laughs> that woman is 65 now. Hey, like he said, address? <laughs> uh, this, this reminds me of a trick-or-treat story I may or may not have said on the podcast. Probably did because it's a classic Halloween one where... When you're young and people leave bought bowls of candy, mm-hmm. you think like, then they say, take, take one. one. Yeah, yeah. Honor system. Yeah. I did take one. God, my you're, old. I you, took one basket. Yeah, okay. That's fair. <laughs> my only Halloween memories are like so down bad, like getting chased down the street with the, some guy with a machete because we knocked down his mailbox. Or, <laughs> you're an asshole. Oh, we were the worst. Am I the asshole? Yes. You oh, were yes. The asshole. oh, we were the assholes. There was no question about I, it. I, uh, I dressed up as a roller hockey player one year just so I could cover more ground. Yeah, smart. So I was, kind of I was skating all around town. Sharp. It was sharp. super sharp, man. Yeah. You, should have bet your, you should have bet your friends on like, just like call it weight and candy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, like, the, we, we did, we went as a roller, we went as the Mighty Ducks. Yeah. Oh, so was, there was like five of us. Oh, so you guys, man. And we were gassed by the end. Lo and behold, one of these houses was giving out huggies. So we were getting refreshed towards mm. the end to give us that last little Man, burst that we needed. Landon doesn't know what a huggy is. The only thing I know Probably about... Probably don't know what a huggy is. Landon doesn't know. The only thing he knows the huggy is what I give him every day. No. <laughs> the, only thing I, no the only thing I know about like huggies is the brand for like l- babies. No. Like diapers. No, 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 no. no, no, no. no. Huggies are a little fruit drink. It's quarter waters. Mm-hmm. Quarter, 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 quarter waters. Quarter waters. Hey, yeah. sweetheart, quarter go. water. They're, they're these yeah. little fruit drinks that come in like this little tiny plastic, plastic barrel. Plastic barrel, yeah, right. I don't know why they were all called different, Huggies. All different um, they were, colors and flavors. Yeah. Probably all taste you could exactly freeze the them same. and then cut the barrel in half and you'd have a little slushy. Mm. I still don't know anybody that didn't call them Quarter Waters. Uh, <laughs> how about everybody? <laughs> oh, those, dude. Yeah, look oh, at The little things. barrels. Yeah, yeah. little Huggies. Oh. So disgusting. The barrels are so good. Oh, I know. Oh, they're actually called Little Hug. Little is hug? That, I, it, yeah, little hug. Did they change the name? Like they had to they be hug- had rebranding. Yeah, yeah, they had to be huggies <laughs> at one point. In, right? in Pittsburgh, they were huggies, and they were at every picnic, every little league game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and yeah. they were literally just mm-hmm. sugar water. Imagine yeah. having a Whoop brand band at that age. Oh man, trash. Really skating around, just fucking, fucking trash. Running around these, like, how many? How many houses do you think you like most you've gotten? Like you probably remember. I bet we hit like a hundred that that hundred houses. Yeah, I it's mean, trick or treating was like two and a half hours. Hundred houses in Leechburg. There might not yeah. be actually. <laughs> no, there has it's to be. It's just kind of giving. It's just kind of giving me a good idea, like to make like an over under of like how many houses you can go to this year. But like, I just really don't want to do it. You're an old man. What are you talking about? They're not going to give you any candy. It's not about. I just meant in general. Like, if I was younger, like, if I was younger, like also houses care, here are very spread out. I used to care mm-hmm. so much. Like Halloween was like one of the biggest times of the year for like a little kid yeah matt do you guys give out candy at your house um oh no no because of the dogs uh, i just try sense. to avoid it and also we're in a cul-de-sac so it's like we're not even in really in the neighborhood nobody trick-or-treats we we got the first year i lived there we got candy and uh I set, I set the ball outside and it was still full it just ends up with you eating yeah it. it's I, neg- I just it's, yeah i get destroyed on how negative it's the EV, worst to go down fucking, to cul-de-sac yeah <laughs> well it is a rich cul-de-sac but mm. it's not really a neighborhood and there's now now we know there are coyotes lurking all about i ran up on coyotes two days in a row walking the dogs and I, the day before that i ran into a coyote literally on our street yeah i wonder if it was the same one that i ran into yesterday because it was right it, behind the house i no i don't think so because i literally i think his like acl was literally torn mm. like scout he, barked once and he just gone oh yeah that but was, the night before i walked up on a on a pack 
that was fucking scary um Jesus. i was just, i had my headphones on i wasn't like paying much attention i was just walking the dogs uh down this side street but there's like the way the way our community's built is there are these little patches of desert but they're wide open you could see across them to the next cul-de-sac or whatever right uh they just bookend this this side street that i walk the dogs down so as i'm i'm getting to the end of the street uh i cross the main road on wigwam to to start to loop over and the dogs just stop and i'm like what like so I, I, it's dusk so immediately i'm just like fuck there's a coyote somewhere so i look up and like 50 yards in front of me i see like one coyote and then i look to the right and there's like three coyotes oh, and i look to the left and there's like two more coyotes <laughs> they're eyeing you up they're, so they're like, getting they're getting their position there's literally stopped. six of them and they're starting to flank oh jeez and i'm like holy shit like my heart started racing bad so I grabbed the dogs. Uh, I had Newt with me too. So there was three of us. <laughs> Newt's basically one of them. He literally looks like a coyote. Right. <laughs> and I start like backpedaling slowly. Uh, that's what I did the last time that I walked up on, on one in the same area. Uh, I start backpedaling slowly thinking that they would just like freeze and you know, whatever. They start to advance. I'm like, God damn it. So I start picking up rocks and I'm just hucking as hard as i can and they're like scattering and then coming back in formation <laughs> i'm like holy fuck like i gotta get out of here so i ended up like just like very fast backpedaling to the point where i was like actually dragging gatsby because mm -hmm. he couldn't keep up it was uh I, I don't know i i need to get like maybe a flare gun or something like that mm -hmm. to carry with me just something that like a bang just a, yeah, a bang gun of some, some sort yeah just give them give them huggies yeah, but then the next day I'm walking the dogs at like noon mm -hmm. and I'm walking behind the house on, on the side street and this coyote just darts out right in front of us. I'm like, Jesus yeah. Christ, what is going on here? You can have Where a, a bag full of steaks, right? And just toss them. Coyotes <laughs> sleep in underground? I don't think so. Where? What do you mean underground? Like, in like, a den? They might have a den. I, I thought they bury, bury holes. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I, I don't think dens are underground though. <laughs> I mean, I don't, I don't know, know where else they'd be. I mean, yeah. dens are underground. You could just above find above ground. Yeah, above ground. <laughs> above ground den. <laughs> you just trying to tell me they hang out in the horse fucking farm next to our house. They probably just chill. A den's like it's like a little cave kind of area. They don't make. They don't out. make. Like I don't little, think they just burrow. They don't burrow. No, I don't think they burrow. Oh, I mean, if, yeah. If they're underground, it's that they found something. Yeah, they are. Look at them. Oh, yeah, man. They're just fucking everywhere. Are they? Hung they're hungry. Uh, that's kind of crazy. They just roll around in packs, like looking for loose change, you know? Yeah, they're, Aw, they're cute. They're vibing. Can oh we my keep God. Face off? I can't believe I have to listen to some of you guys sometimes. What? Sometimes coyotes dig burrows or sometimes. dens in the ground to provide a space for sleeping in the there moist sand. Yeah. Okay. Well, sometimes you're right. Sometimes, <laughs> yeah. I'm other on times, fire yeah. Today. You guys are all wrong. All right. There's a couple of actual funny ones. That's like saying 2% when you fucking river jam is like, sometimes you're right. Yeah, that's uh, fine. Sometimes no. he's right. You got to give the man his props. No, uh, there were a couple of funny ones that were replied to this. Uh, Stape says, something tells me to prefer candy to wrong answers, but what do I know? I'm a boomer. <laughs> <laughs> Dirks says, free memberships to Mattisau's new training site. Whoa, wait, where are those? Well, if you trick-or-treat at Dirks' place. Oh, mm -hmm. I'll be there, Dirks. We need those. Danny Sprung said, autographed Nick Airball book on heads-up poker strategy. Ouch. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and my favorite, I said drugs, to which Landon said, wrong answers only, bro. To which <laughs> that Aaron kid, or Akron kid says, you could try giving them nine big blinds per hundred. <laughs> 
It's like wow. I didn't see that in the the thing you said. The screenshot. So never let it die. That's it's fucking. So never let it no, die. The my, bit is so good. No, the bit is good if it's not someone that makes the same joke on every post. No, yeah, but only, uh, only, only you, you know can that. know that, right? But I know it. Yeah. But we laugh at all of them now. The rest of us laugh though. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's unlucky. It's honestly his timing's good here. Yeah, that one's good. You know, there's probably mm -hmm. times where he says it and it's just like, nah, bro, that one falls mm -hmm. flat. That's kind of the issue. Like, yeah, but this yeah. one, zinger. A broken clock's right, right twice Zing. a day. Okay. It is indeed, Landon. It is indeed. Sometimes it's right. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's right. Um, That was fun. Thank you guys for the submissions. We appreciate it. <laughs> that was what a what a conclusion to that Th one. Thank you, Akron Joe, for uh, giving me a little chuckle. All right, we have an in the muck segment today that is user submitted. You know, let's not let's not preface this uh, this chuckle. You were laughing your ass off in the kitchen when you I saw this. I belly laughed. I belly laughed. I thought it was a good one. Uh, roll roll that intro, Guapo. Okay, I'm going to read this user submitted in the muck spot from Joe Napolitano. No. <laughs> Napolitano. All right, so my man Joe. My man Joe. <laughs> Joe N. It's probably from Jersey. Napolitano. Napolitano. Yeah, Napolitano. Napolitano. He won the water. He definitely says water. <laughs> yeah, for sure. All right. So. Feels like a water. This is a question for cash game poker players. In this instance, for Conrad Guapo and Lamana, maybe maybe a little less Conrad. He's a D-Gen, though. He can answer. Uh, here's the scenario. We sit in a cap buying game. Example is a 1-2 game with a 300 max buy-in. But the game has few players that are quite deep in it already, 500 to 1,000 big blinds deep. And we build our stack up to a similar depth. Another good example of this would be like a match-the-stack game, mm -hmm. which is very common in the 1-2, two, two, streets these days. Now, in, now the scenario is that two or three players at the table have us covered, and they are the better players at the table. They're somewhat active, and because we have a deep stack, they seem to be targeting us. Uh, sorry, they seem to be targeting our opens with three bets and playing back at us a bit more in a targeted manner. The issue being that we have a much larger percent of our, our bankroll on the table now than we initially sat down with. Should our mindset change, or should our approach to the game change? Should we rack up and leave, or should we battle it out? I would imagine this happens at every stake level where you double up a couple of times, and all of a sudden, the money in play at the table represents a bigger portion of your bankroll than you should be playing with. I guess to make it applicable to other stakes, it would be like building a 6K in 2.5, or 12K in 5.10, and being covered by a few good players in those scenarios. I'm curious how you think about this scenario and how you proceed. So, I find it kind of interesting because, like, yeah, you might have a larger percent of your bankroll on the table, and if you do feel uncomfortable, then you probably just shouldn't play. You know, you should get up and leave, but there's other ways to get around it if you have a community sell action to, like, other people, you mm -hmm. know, or something like that. But, like, if you feel uncomfortable in any situation, you should probably just leave and not think about anything else. I mean, it sounds like the easy answer is just to have better bankroll management. I mean, that's probably number one. What do you mean by better bankroll um, management? He's just yeah. up money in a game. Well, th well, that's the point that I'm making. Like, so when inst for instance, when I'm playing one, two, I know how much money I have on the table. I know how much is in my bankroll. Like if I'm, and this isn't, I'm not trying to brag here. I'm just saying like, if I'm up three buy-ins and there's three other people that cover me at the table, my, my decisions, they're not affected just because it's not a significant portion of my bankroll. If you have better bankroll management, then you don't have to worry about these. So, so you're saying more buy-ins for the stake that you have. So... 
That's why you you have like thousand buy-ins. The only or, difference for the <laughs> only difference. The only difference I'm, I'm, between I'm, I'm this. But like, go ahead. The, the yeah. only difference between this and what Guapo is saying is that this is a live scenario, mm -hmm. and there's no smaller than one two. You know, so like this is the game that he he's able to play. This is the game he has access to. That is true. So it's right. just like you know, it's better bankroll management. It's kind of hard to even have that when you have X amount, and this is like the only game. Like yeah. you just don't. Not everybody has online mm -hmm. for the Yeah, and I, I think I think live too. Like um, buy-in, people have less buy-ins per. Yeah. Uh, just in live, just just in general. It's just the it's, nature of it, mm -hmm. and especially lower stakes, yeah. kind of, or at least allocated for poker. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I think, I think like it's it's a multi kind of step thing, right? It's just like okay, yes, if you get in this situation and now you have too much money on the table and you feel that you're at a disadvantage and you feel uncomfortable, then yes, you should leave. But that's that's not a solution. That's just like a band aid to the problem, right? I think like, I think you need to probably go back and when you, when you go back to study is to, uh, you know, start looking at deeper stack poker. So you're prepared for when you're in this spot again, because you could, it could be a good spot, right? It could be, yeah, there are some better players that have deeper stacks, but it's a good chance you're playing low stakes that they're not studied in deep stack play, right? So now if you're studied, a little bit better now you flip it on them and now you have the advantage where they don't so, so I, think, I, I think it's pre I definitely, preparation i definitely agree with what you're saying but i would say in order of importance is obviously first get your bankroll right and then two i would say obviously start studying when you uh, mm -hmm. when you start getting a little bit deeper yeah. i would question well yeah because i think i don't think he's really saying that he was like yeah he said yes players are better than him but i think the question is more of like can I do the, Can I stay in this game with this amount of my bankroll on the table? I would argue no if your decisions are Effective. skewed because of how much money is on the table. Like if it's significant to you, there's no way you're going to be able to play your best. I right. think relative money matters a lot though. Mm -hmm. um, what do you mean by that? So I think that there's a big difference between um, having, uh, having like 30% of your role on the table and it being $15,000. Versus having 30% of your role on the table and it being $1,500. That's what you're trying to say is when you can build it back, it's a big difference. The uh, more well, it's not necessarily just that when you can build it back. Yes, replenishing uh, is, is criti uh, critical, <clears throat> but it's also one of those things like what Lamana was speaking to. When you're at entry level, you kind of just have to uh, deal with an additional layer of variance that doesn't that, that, that you can mitigate as you, as you climb the ranks. Like the DMR is just low. Right, yeah. like a diminishing marginal return. Yeah, yeah. Where like if you have a thousand dollars and you lose it, you can get a thousand dollars back. I was gonna yeah. say, do not resuscitate. <laughs> that's DNR. Um, yes, that that's that's mostly what I'm speaking to. Uh, I, I think I think the other thing is is that with with these low quote unquote dollar amounts that are easily replenishable through other sources, um, there isn't a whole lot to protect. Because the the nature of the game is trying to get out of those small stake pools as fast as possible, and the only way to do that is to take on uh, exorbitant risk. Mm -hmm. You don't. The, the idea is that you want to de-risk as you scale. You don't want to come out of the gate de-risked. So I think Guapo's point is valid and applicable as you climb stakes. I think it's less important when you're playing with very small amounts of money mm -hmm. that you can just replenish elsewhere. Yeah, I guess that's the problem. Like, that's the issue is 
to some people, like call it to some, like a thousand dollars is a lot, and to others, a thousand dollars something you can make in. Well, to uh, anyone that a thousand dollars represents a lot of money to, you should you, not be playing one too. You just yeah. shouldn't be playing poker, probably. Yeah. Um, because there's no room to scale. Right, right. It, you're, you just have a fixed mindset right. uh, like you around dusted, scarcity. You dusted, it takes you a month to make it back. Yeah, it's just too much money to, like, you're just not in a position to risk. Right. And Especially poker, live poker, like, yeah. like to what uh, Conrad says, you can't go down any other Correct. stakes, right? Yeah. If you're would online, you, you want to play, you know, micros, you can. Matt, would you say it's fair that if you're going to start playing one, two, that 15 to 20 buy-ins should be like your fuller? Uh, it's so hard to say that, man. Like, it's it just so hard because people, people also want to have, like, people mm. want to play, you know? And, like, if you don't have 15 to 20 buy-ins, like... And also, what do you consider a buy-in? Because do you I mean, consider a hundred big blinds? If you're playing one-two, I mean, it's going to be a capped game. If you're playing one-two, two hundred dollars. Yeah, it's whatever the cap is in that game that you're playing in. Yeah, it's usually yeah. hundred and fifty big blinds. Yeah, yeah usually, right? No, nah, one-two is a hundred. No, 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 it's, no, it's, no, it's, it's not. No, at South Point, it's three hundred. It's all okay. three hundred. It's, it's two to three hundred bucks. Yeah. yeah, most other places are two hundred. Yeah, I don't, I don't three hundred for one three. It depends. It's not mm. that big of a deal. Uh, point being, if even though people want to play, it's not playing correctly if you don't even have that. People yeah, are, but yeah, but if you I, but if you don't have the ability to make it back relatively reasonably right. with the risk assessment, that, that's the thing. So we talked about this a lot. Uh, when I say we, I, I mean <laughs> me and other people, not people in this room. But um, I've had this conversation a lot with like uh, guys who have made it, like Jason and Brewer and, and others. And a lot of like the discussion is basically like part of what the survivorship bias comes from. Um, I remember we were talking about this in like the 2017 Super High Roller Bowl. Uh, it might have been me and Chewy. But uh, we were just talking about how like Fedor was Fedor. Not just because he is talented and works hard. But Fedor was Fedor because he was able to take $1,000, put it online, try, fail, put another 1000 online, try, fail, and rinse and repeat that until finally he was able to run it up at some point, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So... To, to answer your question, Guapo, like, yeah, and I, in an ideal world, uh, you would like to have enough money where you can sustain the swings and not go broke, which means that you would want to have like 20 to 50 buy-ins at that level, right? But if you're an aspiring poker player who's wanting to pursue live, you have to start. And I, would, I would argue that you need to start online. Online's really fucking tough. Right. And, and, and think about today, that. So let's say you make it up to 25, 50 cent. And it, in in my opinion, if you start beating that game, like you can easily go beat one two. Why not start at five cent, ten cent? Because like, you might be able to easily beat one two out of the gate, and there's just a, a lot higher return. I was gonna say, yeah, you just make so much more money live than online. Like, the, you know, th that's not the argument. So the argument that I'm trying to make is that like you got to put in the work. Like if you're gonna get better at the game, like why not start at micro stakes? I know it's gonna be a waste of time. But you're learning a lot. I know I did. Yeah, I mean, uh, that, that's, that's very fair and valid. I think like that path is certainly available, but you have to remember that there's a large group of people that are working a nine to five and can't dedicate that level of, of time. And their introduction to poker is like their basement home game that eventually transitions out of being, you know, 25 cent, 50 cent game or a 50 cent dollar game into going to play at the casino. Or they're college kids. It just depends how you see poker, I guess, in the sense of you're seeing it from a professional sense with a somewhat path to scale versus seeing it as like a recreational hobby, where if you see poker as something that you want to pursue professionally, 
I think taking the online route makes a lot more sense if you don't need money that bad, right? Like for, call it my example, like I dropped out of college, backed on stake playing 10 cent, 20 cent. And I started playing two cent, four cent. Like I have streams of me playing on global poker with two cent, four cent. Mm. Um, and I learned a lot. Like I learned so much in that, call it eight months to a year span before I moved up to playing 25 cent, 50. Then I uh, got coached by Jeremiah and went from 25 cent, 50 cent to 50 cent dollar to one, two. But I scaled really fast with all of the mistakes that I made prior at smaller stakes. Correct. I'm, I'm I, I, would just make, I would just make the argument that you don't need to play micro stakes and you could just play a trainer. And you could just play what? A trainer. I think at that. I think nowadays that's definitely true. Like I think you can just play button big blind for call it two hours a day and then move on. I, I think that's good. way, way, way more viable than playing for money that doesn't matter, unless there's some sort of like emotional hurdle that you can get over. I think there's a lot of that too, because I mean, when you, if you just like play the trainer and then you start playing for real money, like there's still that difference between theory and practice with real money yep. and people not putting in enough, like putting in a pot sized river bet that's rent. Mm. I also think that there's an element where people need to make money. Like you had a very nice luxury where you could have you could play online for X amount of time and like you could get better and like whatever. But like at the same time, people need to make their monthly nut. Yeah, and, there's an in between. And they're looking. For, yeah, I, I would agree there. And they're <laughs> looking for that. And it's kind of like I just feel like poke if you're looking at it through that lens. It's Not, harder. Don't play poker. It's. I'm, I was going to say that it's harder yeah. to play poker as a profession as it is versus serious. Like call it serious hobby. Get better mm -hmm. slowly over time. Uh, but not to fully transition and say, okay, like, I'm going to drop everything and make my money playing poker. Yeah. I, I would say. A like, I think. I think what's being ignored is the person who has already done all of that stuff. What stuff? Uh, played smaller, put in work, studied, gotten somewhat competent at the game. Uh, and then delved into the one-two streets and went broke. You're saying that happens? That happens all the time. Every okay. day. Yeah. So it's like that person's path forward isn't starting back from scratch at two cent, four cent. No. It can't be because he's already gotten himself into a position where he's reliant on income. But, but now it seems like at that lens, he shouldn't be playing one-two live if he doesn't, if, the th if that bankroll means so much to him. Like, it'd just be better for him to find someone that potentially through networking sense and just get backed for playing live. Mm, you have a very, pri that you have a very privileged so lens. So privileged. Sure, yeah. but then don't play one, two with a thousand dollars if you're going to play two cent, four cent. Yeah, but like, just like don't play poker. I agree with that. that. It's, that's like, this doesn't happen. You, you can't have bills and, and play two cent, four cent, bro. Okay, that's what I'm saying. Then don't play poker. Correct. But that. But he wants to. Yeah, that's well, the thing. Well, he wants I, I, I want to have hookers and blow for the rest of my life. But <laughs> some things no, you just you can't don't. have. Like, you well, just have to start from scratch, man. Like, I would say, like, the example that you use, Matt, when you go, <clears throat> when you're putting in the work at the micro stakes and then you eventually go play one, two, and let's say you go broke playing one, two, I would argue that that's probably not the norm. I would say that if you're beating one cent, two cent, and get up to 25, 50 cent, if you get up to one, two, there really isn't a reason for you to not be beating that game if you're taking variance. You can very you yeah, can just you can lose. Absolutely, be beating a game I, I, in theory again, and lose. I, I would disagree that if they take a proper bankroll from playing micro stakes to playing one two live, that it would not be normal for that person. So, to oh, hold on. Oh, I'm sorry. Let me cut you off. Um, so basically, let's just say a bankroll from ten cent, twenty cent online, right? How long would it take to make fifteen to twenty? Well, I guess let's start here. How much do you think you need to play 10 cent, 20 cent online? Like, what would be a good bankroll for you? I, I do 100. I'm sorry. What? Yeah. Like, how much, like, I'm just asking Connor, like, how much money you would play to stick to bankroll constraints at 10 cent, 20 cent? 
500 bucks? Yeah, I would say you need more. Yeah. You need much more than 10, 10, 20, 25 buy-ins. All right, so maybe four times that. <laughs> I, would, I would say 2K. I always played 100 buy-ins. Right, so now if you play 2K and then you move up to 20, like now, now you play 25, you 50 cent. So now, think about that. If you're playing 25, 50 cent, you now have $5,000, which still isn't a bankroll for one, two, but it's getting close. Well, if you're saying, so if we need 15 to 20 buy-ins for a live one, two game, right? Well, we we would like more than even that. if we conservatively <laughs> went in with 10k, it's certainly nowhere near uh, difficult to go broke off of that. It's not, well, it is in the sense of if you're not willing to quit, if you lose half of it. No, what you're not understanding is that throughout this whole process, people like the bankroll and bill money is not separated here. No, it's right. life. It's mm -hmm. it's all in one. Okay, so, so there's the variance of the game, and then there's the expense of living. And you're trying to get over the hurdle. You can't stay in these small stakes and still carry both of the like carry the weight of both of these things at the same time. So what are you doing prior to playing poker? My God, this is my life. Who cares? Like, <laughs> this is literally like we're just talking maybe, about my life. Maybe right you now. graduated from college and you took a shot. Maybe you quit a, a job at McDonald's to pursue this, and you've had some success online. The whole point is that most people aren't going to have the time horizon. Mm -hmm. necessary to operate under proper bankroll constraints from day one right yeah there Very has difficult. to be a period mm -hmm. where you're just taking on exorbitant risk and then the time yeah. to do that is at the low stakes of course right and so i think like, that's so if we're trying to like get to joe's issue here um at the like at the one two level you're saying like if he's in this game that it's it's okay to stay in the game take a shot well no or, i agree or, with your original advice it's to it's to, it's to I think I think in the short term up. you leave, you leave yeah, and then up. get better. In and the then long term, you have to figure out a strategy to play depth, right? Because you're going to be in that situation again and again, and you don't want to you don't want to lose out on a very positive EV spot. Correct. When when it presents itself, right? And there's a lot of prepared. other ways to mitigate this right. too, right? You can <clears throat> mm -hmm. you can have a group of friends that are willing to. So basically, like everybody who is in this realm of uh, attempting to pursue this seriously, and they're playing stakes call it small stakes online to one, two, two, five live. Mm -hmm. Every one of them should be in, in, uh, in order to, to get anywhere. You should be cultivating a small trusted network mm -hmm. and that small trusted network network will be leaned on to study with. It'll be leaned on for emotional support. It'll be leaned on, uh, for motivation. Like you'll push each other. Um, and then most importantly, it'll be leaned on for financial support amongst each other as well. And not in the sense of when you go broke, you'll look to them to borrow or to get backed or things like that, but more so in the sense that you guys can mitigate each other's risk along the way. Somebody's always going to be having more success than someone else in the group at any given time. And what that allows for is you can basically have one working bankroll amongst the group. Um, I don't know how much truth there is to this, but there were like rumors that Ike, uh, um, Seaver, and a handful of others basically pulled their money uh, as as they were making their way through and the come up in order to play high stakes, and basically like the the quote unquote business would have X percent of anyone's action at any given time, and then each of them would own a certain share of the business. Right. And that's a really smart way to go about it, but you don't have to be so structured. You don't have to be so formal. If you just have this group where you kind of like financially rely on each other and this spot presents itself and you think you're winning in the spot or they think you're winning in the spot, you can alleviate or de-risk a fair amount here. Right. You could say like, Hey guys, I sat down with one buy-in 
I now have five buy-ins in front of me. But Joe Smith is to my left. He's playing pretty aggro. And uh, even though I think this is a really good spot, I can't risk this much because now all of a sudden, instead of me having 5% of my roll on the table, I have 25, right? So if they think it's a good spot also, they'll say, I'll take 10, I'll take 15, I'll take 10, you know, whatever. And you can de-risk down mm -hmm. to where now you have less of your bankroll on the table. If they collectively don't think it's a good spot and you don't have the option to sell to them, you can just leave, Yeah. right? And that, that needs to be the way that uh, these stakes are mitigated. There's, there has to be a lot of very aggressive calculated risk taken in order to get to a stake level where you can sustain. You have to get to that 50K mark in order to sustain if you're living off of your bankroll. Otherwise, you're dead. Because everything less than that, your life roll is eating into your bankroll anytime that you're taking on variance, right? So every time you stay in this game with 800 big blinds in front of you and you go broke, which will happen, it's the, it's the most catastrophic life event that you could ever feel like is going to happen. And your emotional, uh, like it's going to be so emotionally taxing. It's going to be financially taxing. You're going to play the what if game forever where it's like, why didn't I just leave? And this, this, this encompasses another big question, which is always asked by people at the entry levels of how do you know when to leave? Well, eventually when you're rolled and you're not really risking much other than time, you know when to leave whenever you don't feel like making your hourly anymore, right? Or you feel like your hourly has been compromised by the game diminishing in some capacity. That's when you leave. But when you're on the come up, the, the answer to when do you leave is truly only when do I have too much at risk, right? So if you're stuck five buy-ins, you might have too much at risk to continue to play in the game. If you're up five buy-ins, you might have too much to risk to continue to play in the game. That's the number one factor of when should you leave the game, not is the game still good, which is the advice that we tend to give. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of bullshit. Yeah, yeah. that's when you have infinite roll. Yeah, you're playing off. one too. The game's always good. <laughs> you know? It might just be particularly good because there's a drunk guy in the game. But if you can't deleverage and de-risk in that spot, then it doesn't matter. Yeah, it's the same thing that happens at 5, 10, 10, 20. Like, is the game good? Like, the game's always going to be fine, and sometimes there's exceptions, right? Yeah. But at that point, you're past the mark of sustainability. Right. Theoretically. Right, you're not like, cutting You don't have 50K into... playing 10, 20. Right, and anymore. if you do, then you're Conrad or you're me, and you're a psychopath, and you're going to deal with the fucking crash and burns that come from that. Absolutely not. Go on. You are not going to call me a psychopath right now. Go on. Okay, I'm a psychopath. <laughs> <laughs> He's gonna take control. Def of defend, your, defend yourself. Okay, you win. Right. <laughs> but the thing is, is that when I was aggressively taking risks at five, ten, and ten, twenty, it was replenishable for me. Right. Like I had the ability to get an hourly coaching. I had a very well networked group right. that believed in me and was willing to take okay. small shots. Okay, so let's say you didn't have that. Right. If you don't have that, then you have to be incredibly conservative. But you're you're dead in the water. It's so like hard. you have to build it at some point because without that level of support, you, everybody needs support. We all want to pretend like we were lone individuals that just made it on our own good merit and hard work. I guess, right? But more so back then, like more people nowadays are way less like that. Of course. But even back then it was bullshit. The only people that survived were people that had a support group. The people that had friends. Not just friends, but like, uh, even, even if it's the whale in the game, who's taking a liking to you and is willing to financially invest, like you just need somebody who can help pick you up whenever you fall, 
because falling is inevitable. And it's not even pick you up when you fall. It's just help you get to the next step. Like, even if Correct. you're not falling, like, just puts you up to the next step. Correct. Like, Bob, because right with, in your situation. Right. Without the insurance of somebody who is willing to help if things go poor, you can never be aggressive enough to move up. You would be in Guapo's situation where basically you're trying to have 100 buy-ins every time you, you take steps. It's just a slow increase. But it's almost impossible if... If you're living off of your role. That slow yeah. increase is going to take years. Right. Like Guapo has multiple streams of income, right? Poker isn't his sole stream of income. So <laughs> he can gradually build and he's in no rush to get to the finish because it's not the ultimate uh, end-all be-all to paying bills. But for most people who start playing in their 20s that are trying to take a shot at this, trying to prove to their parents that they can make it, trying to demonstrate that they have what it takes to be a professional poker player, the timeline, the time horizon that they can actually invest into this is relatively short before they actually have to be able to self-sustain. For your situation, Lennon, how long did you have when you dropped out of college? Six months. You had six months and you had a support group? You uh, had a backer. I had my backer was my support group, but yeah. Yeah, I'm just saying you had a coach, whatever, and like that helped you get through it. That was predicated on me leaving. Like I left poker or I left college with knowing I had a coach in a backing situation. Right. Understand? Yeah. It's not like yeah. I was like I fucking dropped everything and said I'm gonna focus on poker on my own, figure it out on my own, and then but be that's responsible how most, and leave. That's how most Mo people would start. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> right, and that's a little bit irresponsible. I mean, not, not everybody has, a, not everybody's lucky enough to have the support system or like, like was, was, I, I don't think it's irresponsible. I mean, anything that you want to pursue with vigor is going to come with some level of risk. Sure. But you're like, it's better to, in the sense to have some sort of like my plan, whether it was a loose plan, but it existed of, I have backing, I have a situation, I have a way to get better without needing to look for it. Once I made the decision of I'm gone. No, of course it's, it's better to have that. Yeah. That, that's not <laughs> it's not really a question but if you just graduated college and you've been playing poker for a couple years and you've demonstrated that you have a win rate under the security blanket of being in school and having no bills and you decide like okay i'm not going to pursue work i'm going to pursue this but you don't have the role to pursue this you know you're at a crossroads you have to take some some calculated risks otherwise you're just the guy sitting on the couch with the life that you didn't want and you're always going to second guess having not taken the shot. Yeah, I mean, it's just a matter of how do you now get into, like, how do you create your network, right? How do you go from zero to one? It's, it's, it's just like everything else. Corporate yeah. world, I don't mean dating, that. I didn't whatever. mean that in, like, a question. I meant that, like, that's the idea, yeah. right? You yeah, go from yeah. zero to one. And, yeah. like, the way you do that, and sometimes if you have, call it $2,000 playing one-two, is you go to the live, like, you go to a casino, you play one-two, and maybe you meet someone, someone your age, a friend group, peer group, right? And, like, you kind of have to Correct. network. Like, yeah. you just mm -hmm. have to play the network game in some regards There's because you are zero. Do. Timestamp, bro, like, hit us up and, but, and ask the intern. Like, that's what I, you like, know? what I did in college when I found online was I was being timestamp bro for Joey. Right. And I was like, okay, like, Joey didn't offer me a job. The, the community, I just gave myself The community one. is much more wide open and accepting now than it was when, like, Brian and I were coming up. We yeah. didn't have access to Negrano. You didn't have the no. internet. Yes, and we that, did. Not, you fucking <laughs> not in the same, we're not that fucking old. Right, not yeah. in the same way. Negrano hit my beeper. Goddamn zoomer. <laughs> not in the same way. It's not that. There was just a. There was a. There was a wide beeper. There was a wide gap between. <laughs> he didn't have the internet. There was a wide gap between the old guard who spent their time 
grinding it out in smoky pool halls and you know casinos playing limit games and everything else and the new age online kid who was just able to like kind of fire at will Mm -hmm. uh there was you know they had already made it they were established they were the survivors so like they didn't want to lend that that uh level of of they didn't want to close the gap basically well you also didn't have mentors you had peers Right now, there's mentors. Like now, mentors yeah. are different. Mentors were different then, right? Mentors are more like gamble sense, like maybe some money here. It and wasn't there. even that. We we definitely didn't have mentors. We had people that we looked up to, and I don't yeah. I don't think that your I don't think your generation or the generation to follow really necessarily looks up to people in the community so much as aspires to be uh, at that level, right? Like I don't think necessarily people look up to. Um, the figures that are in the community now. But I think that they say someday I'm going to get to that level. I want to be as good as. Right. Where for us, it was literally like, I, be I want to be Doyle. I want to be Daniel. I want to, you know what I mean? Like we looked at them the same way we looked at athletes mm-hmm. back then, where I don't think that that same, I think it's because of technology and the internet. Like, I don't think people worship sports stars the way that they used to. I don't think that they try to, transpose their life into into the athletes have or the you actors. not seen fucking brian lamana and taylor swift well, what do you mean he's a boomer <laughs> that's true he's just living his boomer <laughs> yeah, life you got a point Good but point. yeah like i mean it's more so now uh possible to make poker work than prior because if you had zero dollars prior and no friends like no money like no like and bills to pay how are you gonna get out pretty tough yeah but now with internet with community like it's possible I don't know. I wouldn't want to tough. do it. I wouldn't want to do it either. But starting like, from zero now seems way scarier than it did in 2005. Starting from zero. I mean, honestly, if I were to start from zero right now, I would find someone that I respect from a coaching standpoint and try to and like basically try to sell myself to them and be like, oh, I'm going to play X amount of hours a day. I'm going to put as much study, much effort as I need to put in. And like, I'm going to be really fucking good at this game. I would definitely agree with you that it's a lot easier now. Just because the sense, simple sense that you can just go on Twitter and find a community. Like you can literally just go on Twitter and just find like a hand history group somewhere or yeah. something along those lines and just build from there. Yeah, I just don't understand how you guys live. <laughs> like, I well, just don't know I how didn't. you live I without li- any money. I didn't. I lived inside. I was sad. Yeah, was but you were 19. Like, yeah, I was 19 not, and sad. I wasn't right, 28 and sad. But like now you're 24. Like, and for Conrad, you're much older. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't. I don't know how you could start at zero and you know just get a coach and. You know, a I mean, small you, backing deal. If you started with straight zero, um, you'd have to have a job and then just like not sleep very much and just grind a ton. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> like you'd have to just get a job to get an hourly to pay your bills and then spend every waking hour uh, focusing on the thing you actually want to focus on. Probably the best on. way to do it is and then at is to have point, one, another. I, I actually, of if, I, I would do the opposite, I would create content. Because it can give you a steady stream of income, well, that, albeit not much. One that, two blitz pool. Yeah. I mean, it's a form of a job. Fine. It's, like streaming on it, Twitch, it's different. I guess I don't it, mean job. I mean, I, I just mean, I mean, income. I mean, yeah, a, a different stream. A of passive income. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah right. but but there's a big difference or between putting in forty passive. hours for a wage versus like being a content creator, like being a vlogger, whatever. Oh where yeah, right. Maybe you're putting in a third of those hours. Right, and and it's and that's going to help, doing, with, and that's right. going to help with networking and all Correct. that kind of stuff as yeah. well. Yeah, I mean, yeah, piggybacks off of each other. Right? Yeah, like it's very possible that you can call it start your journey from scratch and stream every time you ever mm-hmm. play small stakes poker. 
right? But the, like you have your job, call it, you have your nine to five job, and then you stream, right? You learn, you study, you stream, and you hope to like call it build following, start the YouTube channel, like f have some sort of big, like have some form of structure, but then actually follow it for a long time. Cause it's not, gonna, it's not easy. And for like, call it, even in my sense, like way back when, like it took me two years to get good at poker. Yeah. It took me two years playing 12 hours a day. Not leaving my house. I didn't have friends. I had like caught coach friend, but I didn't leave my house and say, "Oh, like, I'm gonna go hang out with the boys tonight." Uh, like there but, were no boys. But imagine <laughs> being 27 and trying that because that's when most people find poker. Like you know, not in there. You're not gonna find it at like 21 and like under. I wouldn't quit two. my job. I mean, I, I probably agree with you. I wouldn't quit my job, and I would just try to find a way to get in the community. But like at the same time, like some people are gonna be like more open, less open to the whole like backing, studying, coaching, training, you know? But it's hard to take on that risk of someone that like has, starts from zero, because for poker, it's hard to have a resume. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It just, when you have zero, you have zero. But like the way that call it, for I example. work with Steven and the way that I work with Jeremiah, like Jeremiah gave me like very quick couple questions as like where my, where my head was at with poker. And I said, I'm like, I'm pretty sharp. Uh, I have nothing else on my plate. I have no actions, obligations or other things. And I really want to get good at poker. And he was like, okay, great, you're in. And yeah. from there, like, I've just played X amount of hours a week. And then with detox, I moved to detox. I played 200 hours a month. Yeah, but your path is so unique. Uh, is I mean, it? You, yes, it you, is. Keep, you keep is. doubling back on this, like, as if it's just the way <laughs> or the most common. Well, that's how I would do it. Uh, right, but, like, that you, you have to kind of recognize that you're, like, one of one. Like, it worked for you the first time around. It might not work the second time around. Maybe you're not as likable. Maybe you don't find Steven, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, there's a lot of variance and a lot of survivorship bias in your path, the same as there is for the rest of ours. And the big takeaway here that I think, uh, you know, we got into something much, much deeper. <laughs> I was going to say, and that's what you do when you were up a stack at one, two. But, <laughs> <right>. <laughs> but, but yeah, the bigger, the bigger takeaway here is that uh, there is a lot of fucking volatility in pursuing this. And the majority of people aren't going to make it okay it's just that simple correct so now what's now where do you go well now you just you know whether you take your path or you take a, a higher risk path like we're suggesting or something in between basically there are a million different ways to attempt it yeah uh, i'm not saying that my way is the correct way or the fastest right i'm just saying that uh you know effectively there's a high failure rate attached to all of them yeah and that needs sure. to be understood before anybody pursues this right nobody's saying that you can just wake up and become a poker genius well funny you say that landon because i would argue that jonathan <laughs> little is actually saying exactly that uh somebody well, sent me a clip here how Most he days. would approach it if he Whereas started, I could be playing tournaments i could have uh, been playing higher six cash games if i sat there and played the five to no limit why because i could consistently grind out about 120 dollars per hour and i could easily put in 12 hours a day with pretty much no breaks so let's presume I played uh, 10 hours a day on average, making $120. That's $1,200 a day, $36,000 a month. I would go there and I would play literally all day, every day. $36,000 a month playing, uh, as some of you say, boring cash games. Um, it was always nice for me because I didn't really care if I was bored, if I was making tons of money. Turns out making tons of money is not boring to me. That's fun and exciting, especially if it's pretty much free. And back then, or at least... With my skill set back then against those players, it was pretty much free. And I realize the games are tougher today. Maybe now you can only do that at 2-5 no limit. You can make 50 bucks an hour or 60 bucks an hour. Whatever. Only $18,000 grinding like you actually care 
seems like a pretty good win rate. So you can easily make $200,000 a year playing 2-5 no limit. So somebody sent me that, uh, and I don't, I mean, it's, it's hard not to meme. Like, I think Jonathan's, I think Jonathan's point of needing to put volume in is, is well intended. And I think that, you know, ultimately he's not trying to be misleading, but like, bro, there's a big undercurrent to that message of, you know, uh, you don't want to hear it, but like, just go play 3000 hours of two, five a year. And you're going to make $200,000. Like, no, you're fucking not. <laughs> no, you absolutely fucking are not. You're going to go broke 10 times in the process trying to do it. Like <laughs> this notion that like, if you have studied a, a course on pokercoaching.com, you're suddenly making $60 an hour at two five and you can go with, you know, some level of proper bankroll and just make infinite fucking money. Like yeah, that so is not you're how like, it works. You're the best player in the field. You have a very, you're very well rolled and you have some sort of ability to not get fatigued when you play 10 hours a day every single day. No. That might be you, one person, maybe zero people that can do that. You also need a time machine. Because when this <laughs> happened and you were able to make this type of money <laughs> at fucking 2-5 and 5-10, yeah. when he was playing it. Yeah, back in 2005 and yes, 6. Maybe. 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 But and, people are a lot fucking better now. And he did right. qualify and said, like, you know, his skills in the game back then yielded that sort of hourly. Right, and then right. he just put but like okay, sense. let's 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 uh let's not move the goalposts here and you know keep the frame of reference. Like what would those same skills yield in today's game? It's certainly not twelve big blinds an hour. Half. It's Maybe prob it's probably uh, way less. I, th than that. I think the average. Here's here's the thing. I I think that I think most winners in two five think that they're making fifty dollars an hour because that's what their spreadsheet says. But mm -hmm. they're playing like eight hundred to twelve hundred hours a year, and the sample is actually like pretty insignificant. If they were to extrapolate that out to a real sample where they played a hundred thousand hands a year, which let's say that that's like twenty five hundred hours, that might be lowballing it. Even no, that, seems that, that that's about right. That's that's twenty five hands an hour, or, or sorry, forty hands an hour. Uh, that's fast. Uh, that no, fast. that's very fast. It's like on average, it's like thirty 15. an hour if you're lucky. If yeah, you guys find, if you find somewhere that get, spits out forty fucking hands an hour, so three thousand hours. Okay, fine, three thousand hours then yeah. at thirty hands an hour, which is a lot okay. of time. It's it's an impossible amount of time to actually put in. But let's say that somebody actually does that and puts in a hundred thousand hands. I think there might be like maybe people that you can count on one hand that are making 60 or $70 an hour, right. even $50 an hour. Like I think the average win rate at two five is probably about half of what the winners <laughs> actually see on, on their hourly. It's right? very funny and kind of true where you talk to live players and they talk about their downswings and like as an online guy, it's just like first time. Right. And like your downswing, <laughs> your downswing is nothing. Well, the mm -hmm. thing is, is because if you mitigate your volume, you can go years without having a losing month. You could just do it because you're only putting in a hundred hours a month yeah. at you, most. You right? win $2,000 and you don't, and you play for call it one night. You're like, oh, I guess I right. won this so month. So like you cherry pick your games, you put in like, you know, 50 to a hundred hours a month. And you just rack up winning month after winning month after winning month. But the wins are relatively pedestrian. You know, you do okay. You make 50K a year yeah, playing 2-5. That, that actually might be a better plan than firing, trying to fire 3,000 hours in, in bad games. And you know what well, I mean? Of course. Like, yeah. the game selection like, is important. Well, it, depends, it depends on what your situation is. But like, 
It also I depends know, on your goals. But right. like if you're game yeah. selecting, you can't just put in, you can't pump volume. Right. If you're game selecting, you're playing at nights, you're playing on weekends, yep. right? Mm -hmm. And now you're not playing, I call it 2 p.m. because you're just trying to get in your hours. Right. Yeah. And the other thing is like, if you are capable of putting in 3,000 hours and you actually are winning anywhere near that clip, you'll just move up. You'll you have enough money you just to have to take. move up because, yeah. uh, or I mean, I guess he's dis discouraging that, like basically saying, like if you have that sort of win rate, just crank out the volume. It kind of sounded like that was the the underlying message was you don't need to move up, you can make it. You well, like make, making money you is can fun. Make, and yeah, you can make a ton of money at these stakes. And the irony is, right. I think the I think the exact opposite happens. I think the people who stay at the same stake level forever are the ones that are putting in high quality hours, but low, low volume hours. Mm -hmm. And they keep their win rate, uh, elevated. Um, but maybe falsely elevated, right? right. They guarantee themselves 50 K a year playing two five, um, with a lot of variance in between, but they never really are able to graduate because they can't really get above that sort of win rate without playing a whole fuck ton more. Right. And then the real grinders that are out there, which I think like, you know, the, the, the toughest grinders in the world who are really slaving away are maybe putting in like 2k hours a year live. And they're just like gigging it because they have to play a lot of really fucking bad games mm -hmm. yeah. and they make games bad because they're there 24, seven, 365 autopilot. Right. So maybe they make, you know, one and a half or two times what the other guy is making, but it's really difficult put to three times the volume, right? You have to put in like three times the volume. And now whenever you move up, you just become that, that same nitty leather ass that, that, you know, nobody really wants in the game. Eventually like you get expelled by the environment, right? Like eventually you only get to play games where it's a bunch of you. It's very, very funny how people think poker is a very easy game to win. Yeah. Especially nowadays. Yeah. I you know think how hard it is to win a two five. And win that much money at 2-5? Right. And then play, and then stay there, and then keep doing that. It's like, yeah, you can... Some people can do it, but, like, saying you can copy-paste and have, like, call it thousands of people do it, at some point, people are going to start losing. The, the, the reason why I played that clip, outside of me thinking it's hilarious, is, <laughs> uh, is, is actually because I think the biggest variable that isn't spoken about there is the actual uh, aspect of what it would take to do that level of volume right it's completely ignoring your life role scenario your expenses uh the the variance that comes with like he's basically saying like if you show up and you have a win rate and you play that often you just have free money yeah Be because the variance in the swings occur throughout that 12 hours uh the way that they would occur throughout a week if you were putting in less volume and it's like that's partially true but the variance is still fucking there mm -hmm. one good thing is your living expenses would be low because you'd be feeding the casino non-stop Kind Probably of getting free meals, but like, yeah, but I mean, your relationships would suffer. If you had friends, girlfriend, wife, well, like study. Kids, also, when are you studying? Study, when are you studying? Right. right I mean, like, there's a lot of the, like the build up literally in the casino every day for hours. The build up to get to that floor takes so much time and energy that it doesn't look into the win rate at all. That That's the whole point that I'm trying to focus in on. It's Maybe like five dollars an hour, right? The build up <laughs> to get to that floor would require you having just infinite money somehow. Right, because you're just going to go broke in the process of trying to play three thousand hours at those stakes. There's nowhere to go down. If you're at one two and your goal is to play three thousand hours, grinding out, call it ten big blinds uh, per hour, right? So you're making twenty bucks an hour, and that's your goal. And you're going to put in three thousand hours, and that's going to be what affords you to move up in stakes. You're going to fucking go broke, <laughs> like a non-zero percent of the time. 
it's it's not a guarantee that you just get through the 3,000 hours, even if you come with like a 15K roll. Like, because mm-hmm. there's nowhere to go down. You can't step down. If you go on a 10K downswing off a 15K roll, you can't suddenly go play 50 cent a dollar at Mandalay Bay. Right. You know, it's not, it, it, the game doesn't exist. So you, you have the to The limit be, does not exist. <laughs> yeah, it's like, it's like you can either put in a ton of volume or you can accept risk. And when you're playing live, you just generally sign up for the risk. Mm-hmm. And I think like that's the big underlying message that uh, this in the muck segment kind of brought about. It's funny in the sense of as training site, whole being rational doomer of if you start trying something, you're most likely going to fail. But that is the most logical outcome. Yeah, of course. But like for some reason, like we don't want to talk about it because it's not good. It's like it's not good for the coaching industry. Right. Right. The coaching industry profits off of, oh, you can do it. Of course you can do it. Like, it's very easy. Like, I I show you how. Like, here's money. But in reality, it's like, nah, man, like, you're just going to get wrecked a lot. But like, if you're trying to, like, here's some, like, here's some tools if you want to take that path. But like, it is a very dark, (laughs) dark path, man. Hey, Burke, I really enjoyed this conversation. Yeah. But how's that 10 minute timer looking? (laughs) <laughs> no, no, no. The 10-minute timer was for the intro. Oh, okay. We did good, we okay. did good with that. Let's make it sure. Well, that, for the muck, is... for in the muck segment, we knew like 15 minutes. No, we, did, the, we did pivot. We pivoted. The, the, it's a good conversation. Yeah, the 10-minute yeah. timer is only for whenever we use like Wizard and, and stuff like that. This was this was the show. Uh, I know we branded the Am I the Asshole, but I'm the asshole for deviating off of script here. You're the asshole yeah. for saying that poker's hard and you're probably not going to win. I am definitely the asshole for that. I um, definitely enjoyed this conversation, yeah. though. Yeah. I hope so we how dare more. you use rational thought? Uh, whatever sometimes fight me final uh, thought uh final thought for joe um quit the game if you're feeling this way until you get better if you yeah. feel discomfort get up yeah yeah if you're uncomfortable uh, leave i think Same. it's just really important if you play live poker to get very good at either understanding theory for deep stacks or understanding how to freestyle well yeah. uh and that's not intuitive so do something proactive to get better at that type of stuff. You don't have to challenge yourself with real dollars. There's enough trainers out there that you can just do it for free at home. It's true. Yeah, you can learn a lot by just playing in Sweet GTO Wizard. Oh, Sweet GTO Wizard. Uh, if you find yourself in the muck and you'd like to submit a hand or a spot or a scenario for us to uh, examine in a future segment, head over to our Discord. Uh, it's hashtag Discord in the chat or uh, you can find it is the pinned comment on our Twitter page at onlyfriends underscore pod. We're looking forward to hearing from you. Uh, let's let's wrap. <laughs> and we'll tell you how poker's hard. <laughs> yeah, we'll tell you how poker's hard. Let's wrap on a couple of light things uh, that were happening among around the uh, the poker community. Uh, apologies, Nikki. We're not going to get to the am I the asshole? Can, can I throw one in here? Yeah, please. All right. Well, I'm going to give a big shout out to my boy David Jackson. Just okay. shipped the 1600 at the win for 185 racks. Good job, David. Let's fucking go, David. Let's go. Man's a beast. That man's a fucking beat. Helmuth heads up for a bracelet. He dunked out. on Helmuth. He did kind of dunk on Helmuth. Uh, Helmuth he's, literally he, folded top pair, second best kicker, and was, he was like, a listen, guys, listen, guys. Helmuth was not all there. He had a fucking rail heckling the life out of him that day. Well, he, <laughs> he did make mouth love to an Arby's roast beef, roast beef sandwich on that, <laughs> on that stream. So what was that bite? It's tough. <laughs> it's pretty tough at that point to, to recover. Honestly, the fact that he got second Man, is... I feel like some of these clips in this community should be mainstream. They like, really the should. The roast beef bite is... I think a, it was for a time. Yeah. It is I think it's poker viral, but it's not... 
Yeah. The words that were said after that roast beef bite on the rail was, needs to be um, needs to be banned, <laughs> <laughs> removed from uh, public consu- God, it was consumption. So good. All right, we we had a couple fun hands happening at the Poker Ghost Studio with the PLO. No shock, uh, as PLO tends to to find a way to get the best hands in the deck dealt out. (laughs) Dylan Weissman made a final table of, I believe it was a 5K, but I'm not positive. Uh, Um, He he found himself in quite the not-so-fun spot. Uh, Flopping middle set on Queen Jack, Deuce, Two Spades against the old Royal Flush Draw. That just so happened to come through. Very unlucky for Dylan. Uh, he took a very what I mean. I don't know shit about PLO, so I'm not. I'm in no position to be critical here. Uh, but he took a bet, bet, bet fold line, leaving himself with one big blind afterwards. Um, once the uh, Ace of Spades completed the Royal Flush on the turn, uh, in a pot limit game at a final table with ICM being important, I would think the turn is a check back, but. I'll defer to the experts out there. Uh, and I only say that because the only way he can get his stack in the middle is by betting the turn. If he just checks back, the worst case scenario is he faces pot on the end and he still has like, I don't know, 10 big blinds remaining. Uh, a little more than that, like 15. Turn was the ace of spades, right? More. Yeah, the old yeah. the old ace of spades just rolls right off Yeah, I mean, you like just, it was meant to be. You just don't feel great. I mean, if you have a king of spades in your hand, you might... Feel a lot better about betting turn. Yeah, I don't feel yeah. fucking great when I don't have a spade in my hand. Well, like that's the thing. If you get check jammed on on the turn, you have to just kind of like want to die. No, right? no, not not like kinda. I mean, you like, want to die. I don't, I don't know shit about PLO. Like, do we fold sets? Oh my god! I mean. Ugh. Don't ask me. Hey. <laughs> that's that's for a future in the muck segment, Guabo. Yeah, all right, we got that um, one on the back burner. Yeah, I'm not sure. Like maybe I guess if we fold sets, then I could understand betting the turn for. Well, I don't. It's not I, for. It's not for protection. We don't have to protect against a four flush. It's Omaha. Yeah. Like that's not a thing. I I don't know. I don't know. When I'm I saw, brain scrambled here. When I saw this ad, I was like, I would check this turn. I just know the only reason Hubert wasn't all in on the turn is because he had the exact royal. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, all all of his other flushes are probably just like happy jamming. I kind of wish know. he didn't have the ten of spades in his hand. He just had king like, six. Yeah. I mean, he still he might trap that sometimes too. Yeah. Like you know, you don't want to give. A, I don't know. Do we bet fold flushes in Omaha? I literally don't know shit about Omaha. Strength of hands just seems so much higher. It just feels icky. It does yeah, feel. It icky. doesn't feel great. Like you're just like fuck. What am I gonna do now? If you face any resistance, like you're just dead most of the time. Speaking of icky, uh, shout out to Adam Hendricks who won the uh, 15k progressive bounty. Let's go, Hendricks. He did it in glorious fashion. Uh, he flops trip fives with the ace eight five four heads up. And he's up against the 9973, which then turns nines full. No big wow. deal here. No big deal. How? Hendricks with five how million can he in win lifetime earnings. Versus nines full. Conrad, I'll tell you how. You just got to find it. You got to find that one outer sometimes. You just got to find it, man. Well, but you can probably skip ahead. Um, but this yeah. is worth a lot more than first because this was actually a progressive bounty. Yeah, I, I don't know how they did that. I would actually be very interested in knowing um, how they tally the progressive bounties. So they've been running them for a while. Uh-huh. Um, they've been doing about the win and stuff uh, for at least a year now, I want to say. Okay. Um, and I, honestly, I assume the bounties are just even numbers? Yes, I believe so. And the way it works is when you bust someone, you get half of their bounty? Well, half of it is... Yes. 
Yeah. Yes, and then yes, you get, yes. And then you get to keep the other half. Exactly. Or the other half becomes part of your part bounty. Part of your bounty. Yeah, correct. Yeah. So you would get two chips. You get a red and a green chip, I believe, from, okay, I from somebody. So if you get busted, you don't earn any bounties yourself? No, you do. You get you, to keep half, right? Yeah. Not of yourself. If you, if you bought, oh, if you say you bust second? Well, not just him second, but like, let's say I bust somewhere in the money, like, 12. Okay. And my, my bounties are worth 10K. Uh -huh. I get, do I get to keep five? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And yes. then five goes to the person who busted me. Yes, that's correct. Correct? Okay. Yeah. yeah. It's interesting. Mm -hmm. Oh, those, yeah, I said it wrong. Little, I said all it those wrong. little red chips next to him? Mm-hmm. Those, those are like bounty chips? I, I guess so. One of them, are, they're both bounty chips, the red and the green, I believe. Right. Maybe the green ones are the ones that he keeps. Keeps, I think. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That makes a lot makes of sense. sense. Yeah. yeah, very interesting. I, I would love to know more about the format. I think it's fascinating. I would love to see PKOs uh, come to, to like live. It, yeah. it, I honestly haven't played one yet, but it seems like so much fun. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I uh, I get brain scrambled again. You know, it's like I don't know shit about PLO and I don't know shit about PKOs because I don't play either. But they do find I, I find them to be fascinating formats, especially when you mix them together. Yeah, I, I feel like um, it's going to be one of those formats that it's going to be a lot of in live soon. Just yeah. like the milestone satellites, yeah, I, yeah, I feel yeah. like. Yeah. Hopefully it catches on. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know how to play them. And I can't I have wait. No for idea the, what I'm doing. But can't wait for the three hundred dollar. Well, lucky for PKO you, there's a. Uh, there's a pads on poker course that you can watch. Mm -hmm. I'll, oh. I'll give him a little free promo. I, I watched it. It's oh, yeah. He got some progressive bounty a stuff. A lot of PKO shit. Yeah, that makes sense. There's only PKOs online now. Yeah. You love PKOs. Well, do you? I do. But, the, but do you? Yeah. It takes so much money from you, though. No, but if you're a redliner, you're, you're good at PKOs. Mm. Yeah. I but like still, that. doesn't it still take money from you, though? You win it. You're the one that wins <laughs> win it back. Okay. I, I mean, I guess I could see that. I, I love the sound of PKOs because I never win heads up. <laughs> yeah. get your so you feel back. much better knowing that you both like got the first place prize yeah, of 192 exactly, exactly. and forget about the PKO yeah, yeah, part. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You yeah, both get 12k for finishing first or second, yeah, and yeah. like I just lose my bounty. Yeah, you might actually win that one. Right. <laughs> um, we saw Caitlyn's debut of uh, a love letter to scammers, but uh, Jungle Man introduced a new uh, content format yesterday. He didn't really do much to put it out on the mainstream, but now it has 100,000 views. And I got to <laughs> tell you, it is really fucking good. Uh, I don't know who he had make this, but this is good. Uh, we're not going to watch the There's whole three minutes. There's a lot minutes. of people in here that don't um, know the origin Judge, Judge, of the <laughs> It's what so good. did you guys have and what did you guys So he pulled on? the audio straight from Twitter Spaces. We're very, very, very good friends. He's getting ready to play this challenge with Jungle Man and everybody's betting. Yaddy, 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 yaddy. Yaddy, 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 yaddy. We had a side <laughs> God, that looks so good. I have to go watch it now. Yeah, yeah it's, it's like great. three and a half minutes long. It's really good. It's audio is pulled straight from Twitter Spaces, so it's not like manufactured but the cartoon animations like uh, just make it yeah. seem so comical it makes you watchable yeah oh yeah for sure for sure it's very very good uh big big shout out to jungle there i, I think he did a great job on that one uh there's hope i found a little hope in the we rate dogs twitter section yesterday the oldest dog of all time passed away yesterday which you would think would be sad but wait till i spit out this age for you no way bobby was 31 and a half years old. 31. Gatsby's That's, gonna live forever. Yep. Mm -hmm. 31 and a half. Gatsby's gonna live forever. Mm -hmm. Jesus. 31. I need to know what. I wonder like, if it's Bobby or Bobby. 
I think it's Bobby, but I don't know. But like, what about Booby? She looks good. <laughs> yeah, she looks good for thirty-one, I, bro. I, I, well, that, I, I don't she know has what more it was. intact teeth than my I dog. I saw that and I was like, is that a recent <laughs> picture or not a recent picture? Yeah, fair. You know, I, guess, I mean, I, I, mean, I thought the like exact same thing. I was like, wow, this dog looks good. For it seems probably recent. It looks good because mm -hmm. Matt, that dog was doing uh, cold plunges in the backyard. <laughs> okay, now I can get on board with that. You're gonna he, have to get. You're gonna bring Gatsby in with you. Yeah, he that, goes in on his own. Absolutely. Yeah, he, after we walk, he just like lets himself in the pool. He's, He's like, totally fuck this shit. He I'm sounds going like the dryer. <laughs> <laughs> Well, he, we had to escape a pack of coyotes, man. Did you not hear the story? Yeah, okay. I heard the story. He was going to go down fighting for me. Whether he the coyotes or not, he still sounds like a dryer every time you come back in the house. Yeah, I'll be quite honest with you, man. When I first met Gatsby, he was all about fucking with people. You know, he was about yeah. to fight. Yeah. I don't know. No, he's, he's, the, he's not protecting you against no damn coyotes today, all right? <laughs> he's got me. Got you him. better bring Newt along. He's they talked to his family. Newt, Newt was with me. <laughs> Newt will talk to his family. Newt was with me. All right, let's end on the uh, the famous Mattress Mac story. This happens every year, especially since the Astros have been good. Uh, he always does this campaign where he bets, uh, I don't know, some amount on the Astros to win the World Series. It says he, he bet loses. 50 million this year. Okay, so he bet 50 oh. million. Who knows what that was to win? Obviously, he's getting a price because no, he I'm bets sorry. on them to it win. No, to the... win 50 million. I'm sorry. It says, he, oh, he loses out on 50 million. Okay, yeah, gotcha. Yeah, 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 so he bets like some amount, 10 million, something like that, on the Astros to win the World Series. Uh, he does it for college football, too. I think he had a bet on... Houston. No, not in college. Yeah. No, not to win the national championship. I'm um, not that good. Um, they were good last they were, year. Yeah, they were. They yeah, were, they were really there. good last they were in year. The and he, I think and he so, bet yeah. Houston. Okay, yeah, I knew he bet a Texas team, but I didn't think I didn't think it was them. I thought maybe it was like the Longhorns or something. Anyway, uh, anytime a Texas team is in a position to be a championship team, he puts a, a long odds bet on them. And the way that he breaks even with this is he uh, he makes a, an agreement where. If you come and buy a mattress during a certain time frame, uh, it's free should that sports team go on to win the championship. Mm -hmm. So let's say he put 10 million on the Astros. Uh, basically, so long as he does 10 million in inventory, uh, he breaks even on the bet. Um, and he does this every year in order to drive business. It's pretty fucking genius. The guy yeah. seems to be a fucking gazillionaire. So it must be working. I wonder if there's a way we could do this for Solve for Why. Mm. <laughs> Is there a way that we could we could bet on the Steelers to win the, the I Super mean, Bowl? You bet on the Steelers Rob against Conrad to slap Can you do me a favor and play that music? The one that gets us out of here? Sure, he, no he is Thank playing you. it. If you had your headphones on, you'd fucking hear it. <laughs> All right, well, turn off the show. <laughs> Idiots. That would be great, right? Yeah, just like... Just... Uh, Come to the academy and, you know, still from the Super Bowl. We'll refund you. We'll refund you. Yeah. We got to put in a huge bet. I in like for this it, idea. We're going to look smart. into it. Speaking of. Oh, it's TCU. That's who. Yeah. What was TCU? Houston. Mm -hmm. Idiot. Look at that. Houston bird. for college, Paul. We do have another academy coming up January 15th to the 17th. Uh, the signups are now live for that. We're going to be announcing future dates as well. Uh, I think we're going to have dates in March as well as May, which will include the MTT Academy. Got to run it by Hunt, make sure he's going to be available for that. But if you guys are interested in attending a three-day Academy, uh, head over to academy.solferwide.io and be sure to sign up ASAP. Seats will go fast. 
Thank you guys so much for tuning in. We're sorry that we didn't get to the Am I the Asshole segment. We're going to switch up the title and... Uh, and uh, Thumbnail? Thumbnail for this one, for sure. Um, but we appreciate Joe for the submission for the muck. It spurned on a very uh, important discussion, I think. That's going to do it for us. We're probably going to be back sometime around noon again tomorrow. Uh, be sure to tune in. No strat chat tomorrow. Matt is out of town, so we're going to try to move it to Friday. If not, just skip it all uh, altogether this week. But we'll have another In the Muck segment for you, as well as some other fun stuff planned. Perhaps we'll get to the Am I the Asshole segment. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. We'll see you guys then. Later, squad. Peace. Peace.